Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Tonight is Wednesday, October 21st, 2020, and I am joined in the studio by my good friend Josh McGinty and Ryan Hatch. Good evening. Hello. To you, sirs. And I also have uh, some exciting news. We have returning special guests tonight for the very first time on the show, Josh Larson and Yusuke Takashki. Takashki? Close enough. I mean, <laughs> no, you just can't get it right. You thank just you can't get very it right. Much for having me back. So thank you guys for being here. Um, like I said, uh, you are our first return guests. The first time uh, Josh and Yusuke joined us on the show, we talked about Awamori um, and was a very informative, ex- extremely well-received uh, show. And um, But tonight we're going to talk about martial arts because Josh and Yusuke are also heavily involved in the martial arts community. And so we're going to get into that a little bit. But before we do that, uh, I have to mention, as always, the lava lamp is in fact burning brightly in the studio as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home. And we are going to find our way into a bottle of uh, blended Japanese whiskey tonight, boys. A, it's extremely exciting. B, I don't know if we will be able to find our way home after after, this. after that. <laughs> so we haven't done a Japanese whiskey yet on the show. Um, traditionally, Japanese whiskeys uh, are single malts. They, they do... Uh, a basically a, a, a scotch analog. This, however, is a little different than your average um, uh, Japanese whiskey because it's a blended. So this isn't just a single malt. It's single malt blended with grain whiskey. So there's kind of like a Japanese bourbon scotch blend going on here. Ooh. How would you pronounce that name, Yusuke? The Hibiki. Hibiki by Suntory. You notice that they have uh, uh, allotted to... Uh, Remove the E from their whiskey, again, because it's an homage to their Scottish heritage. They basically took the process of making scotch and stole it and took it over to Japan. And because they did that, um, uh, Scotland essentially came up with a whole lot of new laws about what it meant to actually be scotch. Um, So that's why, you know, you can't call it scotch, but I mean... Who cares? Yeah, it is. It's essentially scotch. And this, this, but this one isn't. This is, um, this is a blend. And uh, they do an 11 year and I think a 13 year. This is just the regular old Habiki blend. Let's get a cork pull. Oh, it's a beautiful bottle. Nice glass topper. Yeah. Um, I will say this, this is in like the $80 range. I'm going to go ahead and give myself a little pour here. What a gentleman. And then pass the bottle on, like you do. All right, Ryan, hurry. Yes, sir. <laughs> so while we're, I'll give you a, a couple little tidbits while we're passing the bottle around. This is uh, a Suntory, uh, owned by Suntory. The American subsidiary of Suntory is Beam Suntory. Suntory is the third largest distiller in the entire world. Uh, they are behind Diageo, which is number one, and Pernod Ricard, which is number two, and then Suntory, which is Japanese-owned, based in Osaka, Japan. 
And Centauri, Beam Centauri, they own uh, basically everything. They own Knob <laughs> Creek, Jim Beam, Cavassier. Uh, let me see if Ooh, I pass can. the Cavassier. Right? I mean. Um, they own Jim Beam? Yeah. Wow. They own Jim Beam. Beam Centauri mm-hmm. is the, the, the oh. name of the company now. So, uh, yeah, they, they went through, um, you know, at a, at a really uh, at a really good time, kind of like right before the new whiskey, uh, you know, craze started and before this new resurgence of like the passion for bourbon and American whiskeys, um, you know, Centauri saw a really, really good opportunity and swooped in and picked it up. And, uh, and now they own, like I said, basically everything. And they have some. Uh, I was just looking at the looking for the bottle. They have some serious aged product. Yeah, they do. I mean, we're talking multiple different styles of thirty year. They have some longer than that, and and some high prices. I because mean, they yeah. have access to these old, yeah. you know, Rick houses. Now, when, when they bought out Jim Beam, yeah. you know, Booker No started Jim Beam, you know, before Prohibition. So they have access now to stocks of, of alcohol that they can do really, really amazing things. So and here's here's a, a, a house down payments. Right. Per bottle. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this smaller is smaller house. This is an eighty dollar bottle, so it's not exorbitantly expensive, but it's yeah. also not it's not it's more expensive than a bottle of Jack Daniels. Here's here's some of their brands. So um Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, Suntory Whiskey, Cavassier Cognac, Knob Creek. Basil Hayden's, uh, Yamazaki, Hakushu, Habiki, uh, Teachers, Lafroig, Wow, Bowmore Scotch Whiskey, Canadian Club, Hornitos, Jeez. Tequila, El Tesoro Tequila, um, Ethan Vodka, Sipsmith, Roku Gin, all Centauri whiskey or Centauri wow. uh, Beam Centauri. Wow! So you get a sense of why they're the third largest distiller in the world. I mean, they yeah. and if they own all those, own, just imagine what Diageo owns. Ugh. Basically, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how much I loved Centauri. Right. It was and it was a big kind of bone of contention when Centauri came in and bought Jim Beam. There was a lot of people that were upset that that this Japanese company was going to you know own these what we considered iconic American spirits. Wow. Who owns uh, who owns Jack Daniels? Because I thought they got bought what five eight years ago. It's possible. It's possible. I don't know off the top of my head, but I would guess if I had if I had to guess, I'd say Diageo. Um, we can, you know, you I'll can get on the up. interwebs and look that one up. But so, so yeah, we get a sense of this is coming from a, a huge company that has access to basically all the good stock um, and all the technology and all the and the know how. And this Habiki is supposedly kind of like the quintessential uh, iteration of 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 all of that knowledge and all of that yeah. access to all that material. Well, let's try it. Are you ready? Yeah, give me a give me a so color. Got a nice honey amber. Honey amber. Hmm. Nose. Apparently it didn't. It didn't. It's still no. it's still American known. Jack it's, Daniels well, is. It's brown small. Brown Foreman. Yeah, Brown Foreman. Nice. Based in Louisville, Louisville Kentucky. Louisville, yeah, since nineteen fifty six. Very cool. Yeah, I could have swore they uh they just traded, you know, traded companies recently. But no. So oak, obviously. You're getting you're getting oak. I'm getting some vanilla, vanilla and some cedar. Cedar, kind of a mint, piney, little pine, mint pine. Yeah, mint pine. All right, I'm going in for a taste. Yeah, it's good. It's 
I mean, yeah, you could tell me there's a scotch, not show me the bottle, and I would believe you. Yeah. But again, you know, it's on the more mellow side of scotches. You know, because scotch has a tendency to be peaty. And that's the flavor that a lot of people like is smokiness and peatiness. Like if we think of a product like Laphroaig, which is another Centauri product, I mean, Laphroaig tastes like licking an ashtray. Yeah. It is, it's smoky, it's like liquid smoke. And a lot of scotches have a tendency to go that direction, the heavy peat, the heavy smoke, whereas this doesn't have that peatiness and smokiness, um, which is why I like it, because it, it, it has the single maltiness and that spiciness of the of the malted barley, and so that's why it's drinking kind of scotchy. But it's also got the sweetness of the of other grain whiskeys, um, and kind of like the roundness, uh, I think it's it's a little less peppery and, and sharp than maybe a scotch would be. Yeah, I'm not a huge scotch guy, but this is good. This is really good, actually. You know I'm what I mean? Not. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. Some of those other big names are too like too too peaty, too too um. What do they call it? it goes? It's too sharp. Right. Oh, this well, has I got mean, smoothness. I don't. Yeah. Again. Um, I don't love that smoky peatiness right. of scotch. I don't love the smokiness of uh, mezcal. That's why I tend to be more of a tequila guy than a mezcal guy because it doesn't have that smokiness. Um, so anyway, I, I'm, I'm really digging this. I'm not picking up on a ton of, of smokiness. Um, Beam Centauri's uh, – let's see here. I was going to tell you uh, – let me get it off the bottle here I think. So um, Centauri distributes – all of the Brown Foreman products, the product family in Japan. Okay, so they're the for distributors the, for, for the Foreman. right to then do the same thing in countries where Beam didn't already have a relationship. And and now Jack Daniels. I mean, because yeah. you just said Jack Daniels yeah. is Brown Foreman, so in, so they did a little in trade. foreign countries, they they got both. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So the tasting notes off the box here: color amber, nose rose, lychee. Hint of rosemary, mature woodiness, sandalwood. We didn't get any of those. We said wood. I said cedar. Lychee. Makes me nervous. <laughs> lychee? What is that? I don't even know what that means. You don't know what a lychee nut is? I know, like, having a leech on your neck. It doesn't surprise me that you don't know what a lychee nut so is. So there's, no, there's no notes of, like, the am, animal, the Do leech. you know what a plum is? Have you ever heard the term orange or apple? I know, I know what a plum okay, is. Okay, well, lychee is another fruit. Um, there is, uh, let's see here, palate, honey-like sweetness. We said honey. Candied orange peel, white chocolate. I'm kind of, I can see the white chocolate, the that. sweetness. That's that corny roundness. Uh, candy with white chocolate, and the finish, subtle, tender, long finish with a hint of mizanara. What's mizanara, Yusuke? I don't know. I'm not pronouncing it right. <laughs> it says Japanese oak. Hmm. Mizunara, Japanese oak. Do you peel a leech? Yeah, you peel. You don't know. You literally have no idea what a leechy nut is. You've never had leechy. I've nuts. never had a leechy nut. Who has? You throw those in your sandwich. Pack? Has everybody else in the room had yeah. a leechy nut before? They yeah. have them in like fruit bowls. You go to Hawaii, they got them on the. They no. got a leechy margarita. Josh goes to Hawaii and doesn't leave the hotel and eats like at Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't. He's got to feel me. like he's at home. Yeah. 
Are those are good. It looks like yeah. a like a plastic raspberry. Ryan's the, or I mean, Joss is the only guy that I know that's ever <laughs> ordered a moons over Kauai. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So yeah, no, I like it. And again, I'm not a huge uh, Scotch guy, but but this is, and we're, again, we're drinking it neat, no ice, nothing to water it down. So we're getting like the, I think the true. Yeah. Where do you drink this? Where do you envision yourself having? One of these I mean, this neat? is an after work couple of fingers, yeah, yeah. you know, or it's a. Uh, it does have a long finish. Like I, th- I have the woodiness, case of the yeah, longs, and that for a while. You know, on that, but uh, so it could be, uh, you know, you got to go to a trade show or you're going to walk around someplace for a while. Have one of those. Yeah. Something you drink before, like a doctor's appointment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You walk in, hey, doc, I've got this problem. Seeing blurry. This on your breath is me. Yeah, maybe stop drinking the beaky. What's the proof? That's a good question. Who's got the bottle? Oh, 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 me. Is there a proof on there? Percentage? Should we? Could be 80. Yeah, 86 proof. 86? 86. So same as Jack Daniels. Same as Jack Daniels, right. 43%. Here, Joss, you want to? Thank you. We had ours last week was a little stronger, right? With 95? So what do you think, Yusuke? I mean, do you have a lot of, uh, do you drink a lot of Japanese whiskey? Recently, I have a chance to, more more chance to, to enjoy it's gotten very, very popular yeah, in the it's last. It's been very popular here in the United States. Well, oh no, outside of Japan first. And I heard it uh, was Santori Yamazaki, I think, single malt whiskey got uh, um, prize uh, whiskey Bible, right? Something like, like that. Like gold medal. Several years ago, and ever since, you know, all not all, but selected um, good number of Japanese whiskeys became so popular. And it's still been popular, huh? Whiskey in general, I mean, scotch, before they started making, I mean, because they've, let's be honest, Japanese whiskey is only something that we've even really been talking about in the last 10 years, maybe maybe 15. Mm. So so let's talk about that. What makes it Japanese whiskey? Well, it's made in Japan. That's it? That's it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Everything else about it usually is scotch. Okay. I mean, generally, like the one that Yusuke is talking about is a single malt aged in bourbon barrels. I mean, they make it exact. They, they, they buy, stole it. They Do buy they Alembic. The, okay. They ship the barrels yeah, over or do they actually that. use Japanese <laughs> oak? In no, 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 no. They use old American bourbon barrels. Wow. They might finish. Sometimes they, um, for instance, this Hibiki is finished in Japanese cedar barrels. Got it. But all whiskey is aged in oak. At some point, that that's I can't say it enough. That's where all of the color and the majority of the flavor comes from oak. It's just it's magic, and especially white American oak. It just it's there's just something about it. And again, it was one of those happy accidents. They filled a bunch of barrels with it and put it on a ship. And by the time they got to where they were going, they got it out the other end. It was brown and vanilla-y and cinnamony, and they're like, "Wow, that was that was awesome." Why weren't um, we drinking that the whole time? Yeah, why weren't we doing yeah, that? Yeah, we blew it. So I want to get back. So, so you know, Japanese whiskey is essentially is a fairly new thing. Um, but before Japanese whiskey, mm-hmm. scotch was very popular in Japan, right? Japanese businessmen, part of culture, you go out after work. Were, were they whiskey drinkers? What I, what I knew, you know, I mean, before I came to the United States, many business people, you know, businessmen, they, they enjoy Suntory. Okay. Or Nika, you know, made in Japan, Japanese whiskeys. And because at that time, you know, um, Scotch whiskey, 
um, you name it. Foreign whiskeys are so expensive at that time. Ah. So what I saw, what I remember is, you know, the whiskeys served at the bars, restaurants, are, majority of them are Japanese Made whiskeys. in Japan. Yeah. I mean, it's always mm. got to be cheaper to, you know, drink your home stuff. Domestic, it's not getting, yeah. it's not getting duties for going across every. And border. they just they they slowly got really good at doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna ask, is like Old Crow like thirty seven dollars in like Japan, or is like Jack Daniels considered like you know? Well, it's a an premium import. liquor. Yeah. It's, it's an, an import. import. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff there's like hundred percent duty on it. So it's yeah. like, oh, that's thirty five dollars. Yeah, and the fee is yeah, thirty five dollars. Right. Right. So that makes sense. They started doing it home to save a little money, and then they just got good at it. Yeah. Um, and then and then the rest of the world kind of caught on and was like, wow, they're doing a pretty good job over there. You know, my dad worked for Toyota for years, and so I started going over to Japan at a at, you know young age. I think my first trip was was eight, and I remember him drinking the, a lot of. Uh, how are the whiskeys? Yeah, the whiskey. You know, Man. you get really drunk at eight. It doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> Uh, I remember him drinking um, Johnny Walker. Uh, all the Toyota guys drank Johnny Walker. So, uh, you know, and they would have, you'd, we'd walk into these restaurants and they'd have the private bottle, like a little liquor locker, you know, and they'd have their bottle of Johnny right. Walker. Um, and then that's a thing. And, you know, I've noticed it, growing up around the culture and, you know, having a dad that worked for Japan and then having been over there with you. And there's, there's a certain aspect of Japanese business that involves drinking. That's true. I like that. <laughs> After Let's work, get back they, to that. They work till late, right? And they work hard, long hours, And it, but every night, almost every night, they go out to enjoy at least a couple of drinks with the colleagues. And then and do, what time about, do they get home? What time does the average Japanese man get home from work? You know, I don't know nowadays, but, uh, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. With a, with a, with a pretty substantial buzz, yeah. right? And then go, go home around, what, after midnight. And then got to be back at work the next morning. Get up morning. at 6 o'clock in the morning, go, to, go back to work. That's what they do. That's, That's these guys I was talking to, you know, when, when you know, some of these <clears throat> Japanese uh, Toyota employees... And they didn't even live in town. They lived outside of town like an hour. So they would go to the bar until late at night. Then they would take the train an hour home. And then they'd sleep for a couple hours and get back on the train and come back into town. And then do it all over again. It it sounds exhausting. I can feel Uh, a heart attack coming on just you telling that. But it's a very, very common thing, right? And I uh, noticed in doing business, they do less now. I think okay, less business. The, 20, no, <laughs> 20, 20 years ago, thirty years ago, you know, they they, it was more they of a worked thing. so long, so hard, and in, even weekends they come to the office to work. So that's uh, they needed a little break afterwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. In, in karaoke. Right, and that's the thing. They all have these like private clubs, and they all go to you know after work. And plus, when you're doing a business deal, a lot of times you you do a lot of business and, and keep it really kind of um, you know above board in the office. And then you go out exactly. afterwards, and you kind of let it you know loose a little bit. And I think, and I'm not sure. Again, I I look to you, but I think there's a certain degree of Finding out, like, okay, we, you know, we, we can do business together in the office, but now I also know that you're capable of having a couple drinks mm. and not becoming, like, a complete maniac. It's totally different compared to American culture, you know. Yeah, we're uh, it's been changed, but uh, it's been changed a lot. But, uh, you know, traditional Japanese way is uh, 
take some time to build up uh, you know good relationship with this person right. to start doing business right. together I, I also think uh, Japanese businessmen are, are really good drinkers because of the suits you right. always look less drunk in a nice suit that's true right and then when you're singing Tiffany at one in the morning <clears throat> You look great. In a suit, yeah. Until the tie makes it again, like a oh, <laughs> If you're wearing the... any part of clothing on your head that wasn't meant to be <laughs> right. on your head, then maybe maybe the right jaws. <laughs> but I'd say that but it, again, it's. I'm sorry, but again, you know, uh, young generations in Japan, they don't drink as much as we did nowadays. So, yeah, yeah, they. You're everywhere. You're OG. I think everywhere's seeing that right now. You know, I I think before kind of pre-COVID, uh, I heard that in around the. Let's send that around the horn yeah, and let Jerry get another toke on that. Um, you. you know, I think that there was a general kind of consensus in the alcohol community uh, that. Um, Drinking kind of was falling out of favor, and mm-hmm. that like you know the the millennials and the kind of the new generation was drinking less. Uh, I feel like COVID curtailed that, and now everyone's just boozing whatever okay. they can get their hands on. I was kind of thinking maybe it was going to go kind of almost a, to use a, a bad word, but artisan, you know, and um and, and so now people weren't drinking like we did, you know. Hey, every Friday you got a thirty pack of the cheapest beer you could get your hands on, <laughs> and um you know, and those were that might get you to tomorrow. <clears throat> well, I, I, think I think it has. I yeah, think, I think get... people are are they're having a a more refined product and way less of it. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, as opposed to going out and drinking like the entire fifth of Johnny or of uh, like uh, Southern Comfort. Yeah. Now you know they're mixing themselves some nice cocktails. Yeah. Or they're having like you know a, a IPA. You True. know, as opposed <laughs> to the twelver of of Keystone Light, that yeah. kind of thing. And so yeah, yeah sure. Um, but which is fine. Yeah. Uh, we're not, it's, it's, you know, generationally, we don't want to do the same things that, that people before us did. You know, uh, kids these days don't necessarily want to drink Jack Daniels or the same products that we grew up drinking. doesn't mean they don't want to drink, you know, they just kind of want something that they can claim as their own maybe. And that, and, um, and so I think, you know, um, there was a, there was a a movement there of people didn't kind of want to get as drunk. So, there a lot of uh, a lot of products were released that were like reduced alcohol. You know, there was like, you know, vodka that was basically fifty vo- proof. Yeah, fifty proof yeah. vodka, and you know, with that tasted like cucumber. And it's like I don't want cucumber flavored vodka <laughs> yeah. water with That's half not- with half the alcohol. Gluten free, and so <laughs> there was a bunch of um, a lot of the vodka companies and gin companies redu- uh, released. A lot of those kind of like low alcohol infusions, but I'm not sure that they killed it in the market. In fact, yeah. I don't think a lot of them are still around even. Yeah. yeah, I remember that quick little phase. Right, I think it was kind of that. I think it was a quick phase. So here's a question to to both of you guys: um, Why isn't this done in more countries? You know what I mean? If, if Japan brought it over and became so successful at it, and it's delicious, how come you know Sweden, Denmark, whatever doesn't? Have I think, a big, I think I think every, of I think Scotch and whiskey, yeah, or do they? Am I starting? wrong? I don't know. Well, they have their own. I mean, yeah. a lot of those older European countries have their own kind of heritage Homebrew. that they're big on. I think Japan has been really good at doing their own fusion of just about everything from food to alcohol, and in a lot of cases, is better than its origin. You know, it's a common thing to hear. 
for sure. Japan uh, has, and it, you know, I, 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 appropriation is kind of a weird word these days, but nobody really almost does it better than Japan being able to take cultural things and appropriate them and kind of put the Japanese spin on it um, and kind of make it better. <laughs> you know, uh, they you see it time and time again. Um, and whiskey is just another another one where they did it. By the way, Josh uh, sounds better than me, and it's really annoying that, that this is the second time he's been here, and he sounds better than me. He's got a real radio voice. <laughs> I got to tell you, it gets real confusing going between the Josh. Yeah, and, and we're Josh. sitting next to each other. <laughs> I can just uh, when I'm talking, I'm talking to the guy with the voice that sounds like butter, yeah, and not the guy that sounds like, like someone a, like stepped a, like on a, a frog. Like a, yeah, like a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> like I'm like right in the middle of people. Honestly, I think it's just this mic. I think it's you a, gave me it's the, a great <laughs> mic. Shit, give me that mic. I'm here every week. <laughs> just flip them. We won't know the difference. God. <laughs> all right. Well, so that's good. I think we can all agree that we like that one. Well, the it, bottle is already yeah. hurt. <laughs> well, I think Joss uh, was generous with oh. his pour. <laughs> um, wow, guys! I think I have the bottle here. <laughs> Where specifically is this from? Did we cover that already? What part of Japan? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I know that Suntory is based in Osaka. Okay. But I don't exactly know where this product is distilled. That's a that's a good question for another time. Do you know? Somewhere, water is very good. Yeah, good water. And they have good water in Osaka, right? Uh, not in Osaka. I mean, city of Osaka. I think a suburb, or you know, somewhere near mountains. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, you know, the real reason that I wanted to bring Yusuke and Josh back is because um, I wanted to talk martial arts. They uh, both have a, lo- a long history <clears throat> in martial arts, and I think it's something that I find, you know, I, I find it very interesting. So, um, karate, specifically, for Yusuke. Now, do you consider yourself a karate guy or a kind of a mixed martial arts guy, Josh? Or? I think that's probably more fair. Um you know, I think every martial artist has like the art that they started in, and I did start in a, a style of karate. Um, but yeah, I mean, over the years, I've. You know, I think that's of... a good point. Just right there off the bat, as as your average layman, when I think karate, I think it's karate, right? Um, but that's not the case. There's there's several different schools of karate and styles. Yes, um, actually, there's so many different styles. You know judo? Judo is grabbing, try to throw each other, right? And kendo is you know, with the uh, sword. I mean, not the real sword, but uh, you know you know what kendo is. Yeah. But karate does so many different styles, hundreds of them different. And then what I do, what I train is called Enshin Karate. Enshin Karate is just one of them. Enshin. E-N-S-H-I-N. E-N-S-H-I. Enshin Karate. Um, through contact, uh, we use a throwing technique, sweeping. It's, it's very practical. It's interesting. Not just hitting and punching. Yeah. And I, uh, service a lot of different styles through Bushido and, uh, I can attest, you know, the style that Yusuke trains in is the most well-rounded, I think with karate style. Is it the original style? So let's, we talked, we touched on that sure. la- on the last episode. Karate started in Okinawa. That is correct. correct. 
Um, and karate means literally the translation is empty hand. Empty hand. And it was basically that you didn't need a weapon. You could protect yourself with, with an empty well, hand. Ordinary people at that time, <clears throat> you know, carrying their weapons... Was illegal. Is illegal against law. So, you know, they need to uh, strengthen the parts of their, you know, bodies, knees, knuckles, make them to be... Weapons of the tower. Right, so that's a good point. During that period of time, it was illegal as a citizen to carry a weapon. That is correct. And so, in order to learn how to protect themselves, they developed yeah. karate. So, is Enshin karate the original version, or what's the original uh, well, Okinawan? Uh, I'm afraid to say no. Okay. It's more modern. You know, the um, traditional Okinawan karate karates are, you know, uh, original karate. They literally, the purpose of the, their styles are to kill people Jeez. without weapons, right? To protect themselves, protect their you know, family members. Ryan so just left the room. Went, so, <laughs> so time <laughs> went by, and, uh, you know, uh, they started doing the uh, tournaments to compete with each other, not killing each other, you know, to win uh, at the tournament. So the, they, they, uh, they made rules. For example, not to kick groins. Right, you can't kick uh, on them the, the balls. <laughs> or no, no deaths. Don't do, cannot poke ice. Okay, okay. something can't like that. Them. Right, and then you know our style uh, founded thirty years ago. So you okay, know, so it is fairly new. Yeah, what can do is uh, you can kick. I mean, not groin, but not. Uh, but you can kick to the face. Yes, but you cannot. The hit uh, strike to the face. Okay. You know the tournament. Okay. And uh, you can grab, you can knee kick to the face. You can grab um, your shoulder, pull him down, unbounce him, and kick to the face. That's allowed. Ooh. And no pads, no uh, no gears, nothing. Jeez. So it's pretty tough, but uh, so are the competitions now. I'm going back to like old kung fu movies, right? Like my tiger style will defeat your dragon style. Is is our karate competitions kind of like my karate is better than your karate? Kind of. A, are you trying to justify your dojo or your? You're talking school? about uh, um, the tournaments mm -hmm. or old days, right? You know, you know, you challenge different style. It means that uh, it's dojo versus dojo. Kind of. That's kind of war. You know, you know. Hey, I, I, I came here to challenge your grandmaster. And, you know, if this grandmaster loses, then, you know, that it means that that dojo will be gone because they are weak. We stronger. They're weak. So take over for them. Jeez. Something like that. But nowadays, there's no such a thing. And back in the day, now, without getting too political... I mean, that, that, I mean, martial arts kind of was all of that, right? It was like my style, you know, it was like karate versus kung fu. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was kind of like when we fight, whoever comes out on the top kind of justifies their style as being the best style. Because when you think of martial arts, you know, there's, there's karate, there's kung fu, there's, you know, um, jujitsu and the, and the modern, you know, Brazilian styles. Josh and I were talking about, you know, um, the style of karate that he, that he does originated in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, which is extremely interesting. Yeah, and they, um, when you go down the lineage of a lot of these arts, it gets confusing because they'll sometimes adopt terminology because it's familiar to the audience. So the, the style of karate that I started in high school, you know, historically this is post-World War II, right, Hawaii and America. And you got to, you know, 
people immigrating over here and they have to ask themselves what's what terminology is already familiar to the Hawaiian populace or the American populace. So they'll adopt terms like karate because it's already known, even though that's maybe not what they called it okay. back home. So the lineage gets a little bizarre, like even Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for example, uh, is actually an adaptation of judo, not an adaptation of Japanese jiu-jitsu. And anybody that trains in Japanese jiu-jitsu uh, here in America will tell you that, you know, will tell you that those are two. And it's funny because to the average layman, it's like, I, I don't know what that means. Right. And it's, it's a tough topic to talk about because the industry as a whole, I think one of the bigger weaknesses is this concept of style superiority. You know, I think you and I talked about this in the past of a lot of it is just a lot of people trying to prove to your point, like the old Kung Fu movies of what style is best. And there's a certain irony there because it's always more pertinent to the person and not the style, meaning that person could just not be good at what they do. So they might represent it poorly. Um, and UFC's done a lot for that. You know, MMA, where uh, the UFC was founded originally to see which style was the best, which martial art is the most superior. And quickly they realized that's not, you have to be multifaceted. Yeah. So it's not about, okay, jujitsu beats his, beats boxing you know, or Muay Thai beats karate. It's, it's more about the specialization. So you need to know how to strike, which created a, an entire new style, kind of trap yeah. fighting, right? Which I mean, I guess it's not new. What Bruce Lee's last book was kind of about a combination. Well, of they all. consider Bruce Lee the father of MMA because he was very unpopular in the Chinese American community because I mean, he was using boxing and yeah, he he would go out of his way to criticize uh you know more traditional styles and their their uh disinterest in in evolving and adapting and, and bruce was really controversial in his communities you know because he started in in a style called wing chun uh and you know now to this day bruce has been dead for quite a while and he's still so influential for that reason besides the movies because he really kind of pushed the boundaries on if it works for you do it. Don't say, oh, that's not my style. Because there's people that have limitations. You have guys that can't kick because they have hip problems or flexibility issues. <clears throat> then don't kick, you know? You know, it, it, I had, it brings up a, a question. To Yusuke's point, the kind of competitions, you know, they're doing where you're not allowed to punch in the face and there's all these rules. MMA kind of does seem a more pure form of get in there, let them fight, and see who comes out on the top. Whereas maybe these competitions, it kind of comes down to like who's good at fighting under those rules. Joss and I were kind of talking about this earlier. You know, a guy that necessarily a guy that wins like a fencing competition or is is a is the, a Harvard fencing champion isn't necessarily going to be like the greatest real sword fighter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, sure. you, I mean? you put him up against like D'Artagnan and the, and the musketeer and he's getting his ass kicked. You know, but he's a great fencer. And so I'm thinking possibly just because you're a good, you, you can uh, win at a, a competition, a martial arts competition, doesn't necessarily mean if you put him in like an MMA ring, you're going to be an ass kicker. Is that mm. is that true? Or are there people that are kind of just like good at, at competition fighting, but not necessarily badasses? Um, you know, hard to say, but the competition, competitions, you know, any competition got to have a rules. Otherwise, you know, cannot conduct It's, it's just a bar fight. No, exactly, right. exactly right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Thank you. You know, killing each other and competing with each other is totally different, right? right? And uh, you, you just said that MMA. MMA has a rule. 
there's a referee in the ring, and uh, seems yeah, yeah. Uh, too seems like uh, you know much less rules to you know ordinary uh, audiences, but there's a rule. So uh, um, yeah, I mean, originally, like you said, there were really no rules at MMA, and what you ended up getting was two dudes hugging on the floor for an half an hour, bleeding. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they had to create rules for the audience yeah, to, to enjoy create, it more, keep the, mo- the movement going, and um, you know, to the point where if the guys are clenched too long, they'll break them up and bring them back out because obviously the audience <coughs> doesn't enjoy that. But yeah, Yusuke, you know, Yusuke's art of ancient karate is, you know, and MMA, it's like almost as close as you can get to combat with still respecting the fact that the people need to get up and walk away when and it's over. You're not work. literally trying to kill them. You know, Tomorrow you have to go to work without a broken arm, a yeah, black eye, yeah. and missing teeth. Because I've watched like, <laughs> uh, a lot of ancient karate videos, uh, not as a practitioner of the art, but you know they're throwing each other down, and, and uh, it almost seems like ancient in some ways is you know, one of the predecessors to MMA. You know, which before that was considered Valley Tudo in, my, in Brazil. My my teacher, uh, his name is Joko Ninomiya. Um, he's uh, he was a old Japan champion of uh, Kyokushin style. Kyokushin is the uh, uh, the largest at the time, 1978, uh, the largest the karate organization of who contact. And grandmaster of you know uh, Kyokushin style, his name is Mr. Oyama. And he became so famous, well known, because uh, a ca- cartoon called Karate Baka Ichidai. That's his uh, life story, a true story, un- you know, based on a true story. And he came to the United States right after World War II. You know, um, the things were so tough for, you know, against the Japanese people at the time. He came here alone and fought uh, professional wrestlers Jeez. and boxers and never, lo- never lost or something like that. But he was very strong. And then he was the, uh, he became, uh, he started, found the Kyokushin style, and the Kyokushin style became so popular because of that cartoon and because of, you know, his, uh, what he did in the past. And my teacher is, uh, my, no, 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 my teacher, my teacher's teacher, Mr. Ashihara, also, also very uh, famous uh, karate guy, um, was direct uh, student of Mr. Oyama. Wow. So, and then my teacher, Mr. Ninomiya, became the champion of All Japan Tournament back in 1978. Wow. So, and he's amazing. He's, uh, I think, now 66 years old. And uh, I started karate, karate, you know, after I came to the United States. Yeah. I never done karate in Japan. And then I started karate in Denver, where headquarters were actually located. And what I saw was what what shocked me is, uh, you know, at the tournament he showed what you know, technique demonstration at the tournament, and uh, he broke two baseball bats right right in front of me. I was like, I shocked. Oh my God, he was like a Superman. Oh, human how, being how, can how, do something like how that. How do you break them? Uh, with shin. So that's a thing. So people breaking stuff, I mean, that's actually, that's a thing. I always wondered if the guys that are out there breaking bricks and breaking wood, like if that, you know, if maybe the, the kind of more serious martial arts community considered that a joke or if it's really a true kind of an exhibition. Uh, that is true. And I, I was like, oh my God. And I know karate guys, some karate guys break, uh, you know, bows and all that, but two bats, real ones, right? Oh, and then uh, Joss, uh, Ryan, 
here's my point. Uh, I thought that uh, if I keep training karate, I might be able to do something like this, breaking two baseball bats. Took, not just uh, one baseball bat. Two baseball uh, two. bats. One's not enough. Yeah. That's right. But it took more than 20 years for me to do that. And what belt are you now? Uh, black. Black. So... Th- those are those are two questions that I kind of wanted to get to. So one, breaking stuff is a thing. Yeah, it, it, it so, does happen. It's an exhibition. Yes, it depends, right? Um, oh, is this you, Yusuke? This is demo when he's kicking the bats. So Yusuke oh. built up to it and got himself to be able to break two. I mean, like Louisville Sluggers. So watching this. You know, he's hitting it, doesn't break a, right away, right? So it's like, oh, gosh. That's amazing. If I kicked case. it the first time and it didn't break, I don't think I would be able to and kick walk it off. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be able to walk. Right. I think breaking's an interesting concept because obviously if I were to be introduced to martial arts and I just went and started strengthening my shins and hands I mean is that things. what's happening there what is exa- what is happening when you're breaking are you have you trained to harden those parts So yeah of your there's body? a there's a concept yes. that you create micro fractures when you're tra- and this is coming from a place of ignorance cuz I don't do this but this is the way I had explained to me is when they're training like iron palm or this stuff so. like the shin kicks you know like they do in Muay Thai too on trees and whatnot mm-hmm. over time you're creating micro fractures and then it heals <clears throat> Right, you're building the muscle density too, bone density. Kind of crazy. Technique is one thing, of course. You know, uh, the you gotta train long period of time to be able to break something hard, like bats or um, uh, ice block. This big. I mean, yeah, because you think, oh, it's just some guy punching an ice block. But if any one of us went and punched the ice block, we would literally shatter our arm. Yeah. And uh, so, it, I mean, there's something to it. They learned how and, to do it correctly. And you got to strengthen the parts you use to for breaking. For example, uh, shin, you know, is, is you know, it hurts, right? Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, for years and years, you got to keep kicking something hard. For example. Kick Ryan real quick. Let's no, see no, real no, quick. No, 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 no. <laughs> Who'd win in a fight, you or Ryan? Yeah. I, yeah, I, have a, I got five on it. How, how fast can I run? Yeah. <laughs> For example, um, in order to be able to break the bats, for example, uh, you got to keep kicking um, real sandbag. I mean, you know, bag maybe this big, but real sand in it. And it, 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 it becomes like a, like a rock. I know, but you're talking to me as if, as if this is something I could learn to do. I don't think I could ever break a cinder block or ice. So that's point. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good question. You know, um, you don't want it to face the guy who trained karate for years and years, right? So you just want, if you, but the, you know, blind spot, for example. Blind spot? You, blind spot. Okay. You, you grab his shoulder, for example, and pull his head down and you step aside at the same time. And he can he cannot see you. So you break you know elbow down to his temple and you run away. <laughs> Don't worry. Ryan, let's have you stand up. Can you demonstrate no, 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 that? No, no. The right? There's no physical demonstrations. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. We we touched on this a little bit. Belts. 
Okay, we, you know, as again, as the layman and that knows kind of very little about the subject, one of the things that I do know is people, you know, I've heard the term, you know, black belt. Belt system. We all know that, like, supposedly, like, if you're a black belt, you're, you're, you're a badass. What's the what's the reality of that? I mean, how hard is it to, to level up and achieve good, these belts? Good question. Thank and you, is Jamie. a you know is the, the average black belt really but, a badass? You know, each style has different belt system. So uh, you know, maybe 40, 50 years ago, black belt means something. You know, but uh, don't get me wrong, some black belts are good. However, there are so many different styles now, right? Especially in the United States, because you know. People uh, train for a certain period of time. They start. You start your own style, and you call your you, you call yourself black belt. You call yourself tenth degree black belt. Who knows, right? You know he can call themselves you know tenth degree black belts. So the what I'm saying is that the sub style has very strict, tough belt system in order to get uh, black belt. It'll take at least. Uh, Five six years to get it every day the hard training. How long did it take you? I I took uh, how long? Like six weeks. Uh, like, no, <laughs> no 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 no. I took six seven years at least. Wow. Let me ask you this: How many belts are there before black? Again, you know the, the it change. It's different. Uh, yeah, the averages maybe anywhere from six to ten. Okay, on the like style. Uh, our style, like a white starting with a white, blue, yellow, green. Brown and black, but uh, and then there's different levels of black. Yeah, keep going. Yes, and after you get the black solid and second degree black belt, third, and uh, you you will have a lines on it. So so and once you achieve that level, once I achieve second level black belt, do I need to retest ever, or I'm I'm just like now I'm always a second degree black belt. So even when I'm like 65 and my skill is deteriorated and I stopped practicing, Um, they still call me. You know, to answer your question, no. However, second degree black belt, right? You know, he doesn't want to get kicked as kicked by uh, yellow belts. Right. So in order to keep uh, the, your, your own second degree black belt to show everybody, you got to keep training. Otherwise, Yeah, I think, it, again, it you know it depends on the style. Because some styles award the black belt ranks purely for contribution to the art. So, and time served, right? It's kind of like the military. And, and the ranks are inspired by military, right? So there are some styles where you know, you put in another 10 years of active training and participation and you kind of honorarily get that rank. There's no test or anything. It's more of like a ceremony. Ah. And then there's other styles where you absolutely do have to test and the test can be really rigorous depending on the style. And, and to Yusuke's point, the truth is because the martial arts industry has no central power, there's so many different styles. There's so many different uh, uh, perspectives that you're going to have those kids that are, you know, nine years old and they get their black belt. So the validity of a black belt as just a symbol doesn't have the same symbolism that it did. To it doesn't carry point. the same weight that it did in one it, re- Now it's more based on style. So if you hear someone's a black belt in uh, ancient karate or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, you know, these specific styles, oh, oh, okay, okay, that might mean something because it's so rare in certain styles for there to be fake black belts mm. uh the 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 grading system is more strict and the you know so it just depends i mean a, a lot of stuff has been just 
uh, washed, you know, watered down. And I see it all the time because, you know, and I have to be careful because through Bushido, I service multiple styles. So I, I have to be careful not to let my personal opinions kind of flow through because we, you know, we serve so many different people. And, you know, I serve, uh, I sell gear to schools that hand out black belts to eight and nine year olds, you know, and it just kind of is what it is. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a weird topic because it's more based on the style now versus, oh, black belt. Oh, you're a black belt, right? It's more, oh, what are you a black belt in? Okay. Oh, wow. Who, who gave you the black belt? Oh, okay. Got it. You know, it's super complicated. And the problem- It sounds a little kind of ambiguous. I'm going to be honest. I mean, and I, I, I have my own issues with the martial arts industry uh, because there's some big weaknesses. I think one of the weaknesses is this aspect of style superiority where- because everyone's trying to prove that their style is the best. There's less of an effort to just get more people involved. Mm. The fitness That's industry <clears throat> is very good at this. The sports industry is very good at this. The martial arts industry is very bad at this. Because yeah, when you I, win, I, you kill the most people. Well, no, you know, <laughs> guess, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, I, you talked about it earlier. It's a marketing issue. It's, it's easier to think, oh, I'm going to go, you know, pick up tennis or golf but to say hey you know i'm gonna go walk into this dojo and potentially get punched in the face by an 18 year old repeatedly like yeah. I, you know, i'm probably not gonna go do that so the way i explain it is um so when you think of the fitness industry it's driven by some really basic desires right you want to lose weight you want to be healthy so you just go and you get a gym membership and you start exercising. So the barrier of entry to the fitness is pretty small, right? Yeah. You could buy a pair of running shoes and go for a jog. Barrier of entry is. Yep. Yeah. Sports industry is another great example. We're like, when we're all kids, we want to start playing ball. We played ball. You want to go play catch, play catch. The martial arts industry is still very strongly rooted in the master student uh, culture. Meaning if I tell Yusuke, hey, Yusuke, I'm interested in martial arts. What do you think I should do? What is he going to tell me? Okay, go find a school. You got to go find a teacher. And because of this, who governs how the industry grows and who learns? It's the educators. And there's bad educators. There's bad teachers. And they've watered down their style or they've watered it down in order to be more marketable to the public. And in some cases, I don't have an issue with that because if you run a business, you run a business is what it is. That's why the term McDojo is a thing because you have profitable martial arts businesses where no one really knows how to fight, but the school has 300 students. That's true. What uh, Josh just said is, uh, you you're so right. I, I cannot agree more. That's you know, I, that's what I experienced, um, heard, I felt ever since I started uh, training karate here. Well, and I think that there's a certain degree of like popularity, right? I mean, uh, jujitsu has got to be like the most popular martial art right now, as opposed to like. I mean, am I wrong? Well, I'll tell you why. Are there a lot yeah. of karate dojos opening? Because I see a lot of you know well, jujitsu dojos opening. I'll tell you, there's there's two things happening here. To Yusuke's point, yes, Taekwondo is very popular. Um, because as a Korean art, there's a strong encouragement for people to come over here over the last thirty years and to open Taekwondo schools from the you know South Korea. For jujitsu, jujitsu has a few reasons why it's been growing so rapidly. The first is uh, you have a guarantee that you're not going to get punched in the face. So I was talking about barriers of entry. If I wanted to ask my wife to go train in the martial arts, that would be the easiest one to convince her to do. Now, she's a germaphobe, so she doesn't want to grapple on the ground. But that's the reason a lot of people don't train. There's really three reasons people don't train. 
especially after youth. That's why most kids are the ones doing martial arts. The fear of humiliation, right? The fear of injury. And uh, I'm blanking on the last one, but those two are the main reason why someone in their 30s or 40s is never going to train because injury and humiliation are huge. Yeah. Joss? Well, I would agree with those people. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Right, I would be humiliated getting yeah. beaten up by a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, or not, and, or, and or just like getting in, hit in the nose. I don't right. want to. I don't know if I want to get punched in the nose today. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know if I want a, a kick to the nuts and <laughs> jujitsu uh, or get choked out. Yeah, like after I get off work, I'm gonna go in and get choked out a couple well, times at home know. for dinner. It's gonna be right. <laughs> Only at home. <laughs> Maybe sometimes at home, but. Well, yeah. I like and jujitsu, uh, and I don't mean to be a poster boy for jujitsu because it's I do train in it, but it's not my primary art, but marketability for it's a lot easier because uh karate is a lot easier to make look bad because you're kicking or punching in the air so when someone sucks at karate you don't need to be an expert to go wow that's embarrassing right whereas an art like jujitsu because it's more in tight and you have to be touching the person in order for it to work it doesn't matter how it looks if it's effective it's effective that's a good point so there's much less fear of looking dumb in there's an art like style. that style yeah, and uh, and the 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 lack of getting punched in the face. So the marketability of it's a little bit easier. It's more trendy with the UFC. I mean, UFC, the Gracies, yeah. you know, did a great yeah. job of yeah. of you know. I mean, what is even that story? There's like how many Gracies are there? So there's Helio and Carlos. They came. They were in Brazil in the early I think 1920s. I mean, we're talking oh, post World wow. War One. Okay, and. Uh, they there was a, a Japanese uh, actually large influx of Japanese immigrants to Brazil at that time. Yep, and so they were taught by uh, their father set them up with a Japanese guy to start teaching them judo. And Helio is uh, was a very small guy. I mean, we're talking like around a hundred pounds, maybe a little bit more. So he was getting beat up all the time. You know, we're talking. Uh, they they grew up in the more affluent community in Brazil, but they you know they were around the slum kind of community where there's a lot of fighting, a lot of street fights. And so Helio had to adapt to not being the strongest person in the fight, not being the biggest, not being the fastest. And the only solution he could come up with was leverage. So that was kind of the birth of uh, what's considered now Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. So that's their story. They eventually brought it to the U.S., but it's more of a story of marketing. They were really good at marketing in the 80s. Uh, and in the nineties, uh, one of the, the Gracie's, uh, you know, Henner's father, Henner Gracie was part of founding UFC. So although they have a great art, uh, a lot of it is in this industry, along with the fitness industry, you know, how yoga has become so big is more of a success of marketing of how you present your art. And one of the great Gracie brothers, he won at the first US, UFC fight 20 years ago. Right, right? Hoist. Even Hoist better Hoist. that Hoist won. <laughs> right. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joyce Hoist Gracie is like the first name, the first Gracie name that I recognize. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys know about the story uh, Father Gracie and um, Mr. Kimura? Yeah, Japanese that's right. Kimura. Yeah. Japanese judo guy named Kimura. The strong judo guy, guy ever in the history. That's what it. That's that's that's. This is claim to fame. Yeah, Mr. Kimura, gosh, Kimura Masahiko, Masahiko Kimura, right? And he won all Japan tournament ten times in a row or something Jeez. at that time. And he um, he visited Brazil, and he fought Father Gracie, 
And the father, Gracie, Gracie, was so strong at the time. He was supposed to be, you know, strongest guy in the country of Brazil at the time. So, and then so many audience came to see the fight, right? Kimura versus Gracie. And even the president of Brazil came to see the fight or something. And then Kimura won. And Kimura locked his arm, I mean, Gracie's arm. And then he's supposed to say, you know, give up. I give up the fight. He did it. Gracie did it. So Kimura... You know, you know, Kimura you know, tightened his arm and you know, harder and harder, and break the arm, broke the arm. But he, you know, Gracie, didn't say he. Wow, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, that submission is named after. Literally broke his arm, and then Gracie went to the, you know, the ER. I mean, emergency room, you know, directly. But wow. uh, that's the story. And then from that point on, I think Gracie family story started. I think. And the sons, he has many sons, six or seven of them, right? No, more than that. They Both the brothers had like 12 kids. That's why there's so many Gracies. Because <laughs> well, they had kids. Uh, what is your uh, spe absolute specialty, Josh, and what belts do you hold? Uh, so I hold uh, black belt in Kempo Karate, which, you know, has its origins from Hawaii. Uh, I got that years ago. That took me about eight years of training. Um, what was tough about that was uh, even though the base style was karate, my instructor was horrible about teaching the actual curriculum that I need to learn for the belt because he was really interested in, you know, just like the body mechanics and the physics of fighting. And I love that too. I didn't really care about style. I wanted to learn if this move works, I want to learn it. And so there were a lot of times that he'd kind of ask me like, Hey, do you have your stuff that you need? And it was always, the answer was always no. I was never learning the curriculum. So I think I spent a few years where I wasn't really learning the stuff you got to know for the belts. I was just training. Um, yeah, so it took me about eight years to get black belt there. Uh, I have a white belt. I'm a I'm a, a beginner in jujitsu. Uh, I love it. Uh, jujitsu has made me feel like I don't know anything. Uh, when they tell you you can't punch the guy and you have to use leverage and positioning to win, uh, that's the reason why Hoist was able to submit you know, quote unquote, experienced fighters in those first few fights, because once you get in a position of almost humiliation where someone's on top of you and they're slapping you and you can't get out of it, you're not really in danger. It's just the feeling of helplessness uh, that makes people tap. And I think he made a few people tap just purely on not even a submission, just mounting them. So Jiu-Jitsu has been a good experience for me because it's humbled me. You know, there's one of the biggest problems, I think, again, in this industry is uh, because you're the best in your dojo, because you're the best with the people you've been training with for a few years, you think you're just unstoppable, uh, which means you're probably pretty effective against some guy in the street. But uh, it's good to diversify and to see, you know, what else you can learn. Uh, so, yeah, it's there's always the journey never ends, you know. Truly, the journey never does end. But unfortunately, this podcast does have to end at some point. Um, so before we end, I, I've got a quick segment. Um, you guys are really, uh, you're in for something special tonight. Um, we, have a, we have a listener on the show, Coach Baseball. No, 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 no. Really no, close no, friend no, of the show. No, 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 no. Coach Baseball has sent us uh, something fun to try. Why, 
let's eat some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> um, yeah, so use all of that you have and your, your courage and your ethos, honor. <laughs> your honor. <laughs> And yeah, um, what we have, this. and I, you know, I, in the past, you, you, you guys have missed out on some really fun stuff. We had thickened water uh, on one episode. Um, we had um, yogurt flavored soda. Oh, I know, I know what you're going to show us, and I'm actually excited for this. And so today, thank you, Coach Baseball, for this uh, this edition. So this is something that's it's really, really big in the South, and you see these oh. a lot at bars. You walk into bars, and they'll have them in a, in a glass jar behind the bar. It was suggested that I serve them room temperature. Oh, come on. And what they are is they're called Kool-Ickles. They're <laughs> Kool-Aid pickles. Right? These God, are Aliska's. I thought they were going to be uh, pickled eggs. Aliska's amazing. What? Well, so in a lot of the, those bars, you'll see the pickled eggs right next to the coolicles. Sometimes you'll see the pickled pig's feet. Yeah. Um, so this is exactly what it sounds like. These are pickles made in strawberry Kool Aid. So what Aliska's you're saying amazing is, uh, pickles miss strong strawberry. One of us is going to leave here as a diabetic. We're all trying them. Coolicles. <laughs> Kool-Aid pickles. Did you even know that was a thing? Didn't know that was a thing. Give I'll the, be the moderator. The boat. You guys can I mean all the, try it. Yeah, give me the, the bowls. Are you just, uh, Joss, what's the issue? He's trying it. He's trying it. That wasn't I'm like a dog. No. You could hold something in front of my mouth and I'll eat it before I ask any questions. Okay. A, if you're going to do it, mm-hmm. everybody knows grape is the best flavored Kool-Aid. Yeah. Strawberries the move? I don't know. I, I like a strawberry. I'm sure Kool-Aid. they have a grape flavor too. It's got a Maybe very. Maybe we just got the strawberries. I just don't know how because they have to. Were they pickled first, then that, or is it a? Is I think it a they pickle. Yeah, the Kool Aid is part of their pickling okay. solution. Let me have a fork. Their pickling solution. I will tell you right now that of course, right? It's not a dill. These are oh, like much more like no. they're sweet. sweet pickle. Yeah. It's yeah, this isn't like a vlasic it's uh, garlic. It's obviously a sweet pickle. They're bright red. <laughs> And I'm not going to try until we all get one. So here's mine. Yeah. Of course. There's mine. Ryan. One pickle. You don't throw that. No. Why don't you just put them in the bowl? Oh, I'm serving everyone? Yeah. Service. Oh, that's fine. Please. You give that back. You can put yours. Here's yours. No, no, we have forks over here. That's yours. Stop talking to me. (laughs) Put that over there. (laughs) Go away. Go away. I need a fork. Yeah. There it is. It's right there. Oh my gosh! How much of this bottle's left now? Pre-sliced, yeah, uh, and and bright red in the middle. So I know yeah. it says you it have makes to... the distinction right here on the yeah. on the jar mixed with thick and thin slices. Wow, um, that's just because the guy like blew it. What's like, the sli- oh, yeah? Like hand sliced. Oh, you mean that there's just zero uniformity to your product? Great. I just right. have the feeling of beets. <laughs> this Don't is very beety. Oh, oh my god, Be- beets is my. You hate Number beets? Number one, worst. Really? Right. Yeah. Uh, so pickled eggs are are beets. That's the the redness in pickled eggs is beet juice. Oh, <laughs> is that dramatic? This does this. You know. I mean, there's I a know. gag reflex coming on over here from Joss. Oh, there is. Okay. Does everybody have their coolicle? No, I don't have one. This isn't going to be as bad as I. Yeah, I don't. Now think it's I know be that in bad. Japan they eat a lot of pickles, right? So Yusuke is is kind of our in-house pickle. Expert. Wow. What do you think? I'm I'm e- I'm eating them. 
You're not. You're, you're not. You don't hate it. No, no, I like it actually. Honestly, it just tastes like a pickle. It, but it tastes like it almost tastes curry. Like oh, it is tangy. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There is a little curry in there. Yeah, I could put this on a hot dog. It's a little. It's uh, there's some strawberry in there too. Man. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> curry and strawberry, sir. I'm a fan. May I have another? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I gotta tell you, I I'm not, but I don't like sweet pickles. I don't I don't like sweet pickles either, and I like that. It, this it's there's definitely some like some I could take spice. that as a yeah. relish. Um, I think I would rather have the carbonated, uh, oh, carbonated yeah. sour cream or whatever. The, the no, you wouldn't. The yogurt so, one is the worst. You really? I, think, yeah. I, think, I, I would. Right. I think I would rather have yogurt so, soda than a cool pickle. I'm having well, a second. Like yeah, Ryan's, Ryan's having going seconds. In for seconds. Yeah, it's fantastic. What did you think, Yusuke? It's okay. You like it? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> eh, it's all right. It's I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever I, had a Kool Aid pickle before? I, I, no, first time. Yeah, he ate two. Who's this? Who's this? A hole giving us all this terrible thing. Let me just be honest here. Everybody ate them. Like nobody has their cool pickles still in front of them. No, so, we ate them. I, I mean, know you guys just... ate them. Yeah, they weren't horrible. Says Ryan, who Ryan. has like he's having his fourth. Yeah, Ryan's like Ryan's gonna take one. the jar home. <laughs> All right, Coach Baseball. Hey, I can dig it. I mean, that's Dude, the thing. This was some Indian food, right? All day. What no, if you just invented something? That's what no. I'm saying. This and the uh, the yogurt soda. And yeah. some Indian food. Now it's too much. No, because the yogurt <laughs> soda tasted like raita. I know, but I I, I couldn't do it. You I couldn't guys, get. I guys, couldn't it get. Was so I couldn't disgusting. get the right mind for you know. Wait, what was this? Yogurt soda. Carbonate. Oh. It was basically. Oh. It was oh basically gosh, it was carbonated terrible. sour milk. Right. Uh, what, what what's the word? Of buttermilk. Butter so you're milk. not just talking about texture. The taste was bad. No. Well, yeah. oh. I, mean, oh, it I t- like buttermilk. So it I tasted it like carbonated they buttermilk. They just got it from the goat. <laughs> it was right. it was and barnyardy, it, and it was it, it was barnyardy, but it, it was it was cow's but then milk. Amaz- but imagine that that think about that you know what that tastes like, and then carbonate it. Yeah, you know, I'm not I, a big fan. I will say I'm not a big fan of fresh milk. Okay, I'm gonna finish so. my it's, last bite. Of it's cool all liquid. about your mindset when you had it, because like I love raita. I've had hot raita. I've had cold raita, thin, thick. You know, okay. like you have all kinds. Like depending on the, the mindset you go into it, it's not a fan of the cool liquors. I'm just gonna tell you right now. That just has. I don't like all spice. I don't really like anything about that pickle. I gotta be. If I would, it, I would be happy to never put another one of those yeah, in my mouth you have again. A horrible facial. I would rather have thickened water again oh, than to have another cool liquor. Well, so thickened curious. water was kind of a like that. Thickened was water easy. wasn't that bad. No, it was easy. It was just, it was like Jello, with no flavor. Yeah, wasn't that bad. Bring back the thickened water. So thanks, Coach Baseball. We really look forward to these. Um, Josh yeah. just loves it. Yeah, this is you're my favorite part of the show. It's Josh's Wait, favorite about, segment on the show. <laughs> how about I mean, I gotta send start... us something that's just um like you how, ate it and you were like, this is the best thing I've how ever about had. Like like four delicious wings. You're not gonna send us wings from can West Virginia. Can we send that? No. I mean, I, we can, is there a, something we can heat them up at, can't, here? Yeah, charter a flight or something. How about like the perfect Boston cream pie? No, they don't have that there. He is broadening our West Virginia horizons with this stuff. Clam chowder, they, squirrel stew. Yeah, we're getting. Right. Now, now we're talking. Like muskrat. 
like if you want a jambalaya, we would probably sample your squirrel stew if you made it made it made it for us. Um. All right. Well. That was interesting. I hated it. Uh, don't don't not a big fan of cool nickels, but you you go out and find them yourself. Aliska's A L I S K A apostrophe S Aliska's amazing pickles. Um, not in, no idea where you can find them. Um, can I take the jar home? You can have yeah, it. Ryan here. loves nice. them. I'm look, kind of in the middle. It's not like the worst. They look like you can find them. Out They're of the back of a truck right. on like the side of a dirt yeah, road. It looks so homemade, right? Yeah. Like, that's like that, that, those are put that's, together in a garage. It's right. a ball yeah. mason it's jar. It's in a ball mason jar. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does look like it was made <laughs> yeah. in a garage. There was never a sealing <laughs> process yeah. to those pickles. Like I'm not in right. I'm not in business of anything, and that, and I could print a label better than that. <laughs> well, let me just say when I when I opened it, it didn't pop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This didn't go in a or a borderline vessel. slanderous to poor Aliska's right now. I, I, yeah. No, <laughs> hey, we, uh, I I'm still good. taking it home. Ryan's like, loved it. I, Ryan I, loved it. <laughs> I might eat it again. See, but again, I want to try like you know, grape. Ryan starts sipping the juice. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan's now drinking. Now my yeah. other question is: Are all Cool Lickle strawberry, or right. are there different Kool Aid flavored oh, pickles? That, that there's a, it's like the micro brew. There's a whole industry in West Virginia. Yeah, there's a grape Cool Lickle. There's a now I want now there's I, fights. I want to know: Are there different flavored Cool Lickles, or are they all red? Does she have a website, Ryan? I mean, I'll take thirty more seconds to find that out. Probably an Etsy store. Look at I'm doing an no. Etsy store. I love how I. It doesn't do have a website. No, it does. A list. I can't read it. It's too small. How about that? I mean, come on. I don't have that horrible eyes, and I can't. Let read Let me it. just look it up. See real quick. I mean, I'm <laughs> between the between the Japanese blended whiskey and the cool lickles and the. I do have to say, lasagna. Weird here. My grandma was a big. Uh, pickler, she'd pickle a lot of things, so we get a box each year with a lot of that. So it's nostalgic, and I have to ask myself, you know, when you enjoy something simply because of nostalgia, it's almost not even taste, right? So I don't even know how much I like it to be honest. It so, just okay. feels so like home. You might have to get a DQ, right? Yeah, you're too emotionally involved yeah. at this point. Yeah, I'm just thinking of old <laughs> grandma. <of> grandma. <laughs> Because <laughs> nothing reminds I'm, me like grandma, like strawberry Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah, strawberry Kool Aid pickles. <laughs> so they have a like, lot of different kinds of pickles at Aliska's. Yeah, they have a lot. They have an entire section of sweet. They have an entire section of just their fruity pickles. So amazingly Ooh. witty watermelon. Ooh. Amazing persistent pineapple. Tasteful tropical punch. Stop. Generous green apple. Green apple. Phenomenally fruit punch. Didn't we already do a fruit punch? Oh, there was a Hawaiian. Classy cherry. Boisterous blue raspberry. Bodacious black cherry. Pomegranate. Peach mango. Georgia peach. Gorgeous grape. And strong strawberry. So yeah, they'd have they basically run the gambit of so, Kool Aid flavored. Right. So Aliska's is driving the cucumber industry as we know it, and the Kool Aid industry. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. What is the deal they made together? I mean, they're killing <laughs> She's it. She's got in bed with the with the big jar guy. Are, now, if you had another one of those that you wanted to try, is there did any one of those ring a fruit punch? The fruit punch one yeah. really stood out well, for you. Yeah, Hawaiian and Georgia and peach. grape. I would do Georgia peach. I feel like the pineapple one would just be uh, too much. 
How about I, the Hawaiian punch? You said Hawaiian punch? Yeah, what's that the difference between fruit punch and Hawaiian punch? I don't know, but you've seen the Hawaiian punch. I mean, Hawaiian punches. I think they're going more for color <laughs> there. Than True. Hawaiian punch is fluorescent red. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 5,000 grams of sugar. Yeah. Have you ever have one and they're just like, your eyes go sideways? Like, cause you just take a, you just take a bit, you, hot summer Ooh, day, yeah. you just did something, and you just take a huge slug off a Hawaiian punch, and you, your eyes are just like, like, right, I'm surprised you don't te- have. You can feel like your teeth floating yeah. in the sugar. <laughs> no amount of caffeine Steam can give you that coming experience. out of your ears. <laughs> I'm ordering the party pack. Oh. This is oh. going to be a great Christmas present. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get some. <laughs> I'm going to start, I'm just going to give. Kool-Aid pickles to all my closest yeah. friends and relatives. So if funny. you're out there, ladies and gentlemen, and you want some Kool-Aid pickles, go buy them. Yeah, get the. F- <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. All right. Well, it you know, it's been it's just been awesome. Uh, let's do a close. Let's close it out here real quick. Um. All right. Well, I bet you didn't expect to. To eat Kool-Aid pickles when you got here this evening. That wasn't on your list of things you were going to do. Did you, uh... Yusuke didn't hate it. I don't think he liked it as much as Ryan did. No. But he didn't hate it. Ryan's now onto a straw. He's drinking right Ryan's drinking directly out of the Kool-Aid juice. He could do a commercial for Aliska. Hey, if you'd like to sponsor the Jeremy Rosso's podcast... We'd love to sample your product right oh, here on the show. Aliska's Amazing Pickles. Yeah, we'll Miss Strong Strawberry. Mmm, are they good? As, Fun at parties. Fool your friends. As seen on the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Or heard. <laughs> no one saw it. Yeah. Literally zero. I'll I, drop a, I will drop a picture of the jar um, on, uh, on Instagram, as I will drop a picture of the bottle that we drank tonight. You can find us um, on Instagram. Jeremy Webisodes podcast on Facebook, or you can find us uh, through our webpage, which is websworldwide.com. You can email us through there. Let us know what you want to hear, um, if you want our address, because you want to send us something awesome. Yeah. Um, we we want to hear from you. So let us know you're out there. We're checking out the analytics every week, and we're seeing the downloads. Um, special shout out to those that are I know are coming back week after week. Tom Gibbons, the Coach Baseballs, the Michelle Vosses, the Dave Mundys. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for being here. You guys want to shout out anybody you know particularly is joining us every week? Amy King. Amy King, house. thank you for being there. We, we appreciate um, we appreciate you joining us every week. We appreciate you sharing the show. Um, and, and you're the reason we keep coming back week after week. So thank you very much. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Yeah. Joss. Thank you. You can take a flying off of... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know who Ken? The guy... Mr. Soccer. What's his name? Coach Mr. Baseball. Coach Lacrosse. That yeah, guy. we love you, Coach. Thank you. Keep the fun coming. Josh and Yusuke, thank you guys for thank being you. here. Um, I always enjoy these. You know, Thanks. your episodes, I think, are some of the most informative. Um, so thanks for being here again. I, I've really enjoyed right, it. I appreciate Happy it. Happy to be here. And thanks for being good sports with the with the Kool-Aid pickles. And ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to seeing you right here next week on the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Mm-hmm.